So we're going to be in the book of Ruth, and, uh, and, and you know, I, I love the book of Ruth. It is an encouraging book, and there's so much, first off, any book you read, there's so much depth and richness. And, and while I have two points for, for the teaching this morning, there, there's multiple, even in the, the portion of Scripture that, that we're going to be reading. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and read the first 16 verses. So settle in, right? So chapter 2, book of Ruth, and we're going to read verses 1 through 16, and then, then we're going to kind of go into uh, a little bit of the history. So follow along with me. Chapter 2 starts, There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him, in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Never had that happen at work a day in my life. I would love it. But anyways, verse 5. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little while in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Now Boaz said to her at a mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread, and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed parched grain to her, and she ate and was satisfied, and kept some back. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even from among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Also, let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, as we read your word, we desire to glean from it. Father, open our hearts. There's nothing special of me. I'm a broken vessel. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us wisdom. Give us wisdom how to apply what we learn from your word. I pray that this time in your word would honor you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, thank you for bearing with me. Sometimes I can read, sometimes I can't. Uh, so, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit in general 
Because I realize that not everybody has read the book of Ruth, and sometimes when you jump into the middle of a book, you have no idea of what has taken place, nor idea of what will take place. So the book of Ruth actually follows the book of Judges, and it's in stark contrast to the, the previous book. The book of Judges was written to show how Israel had failed to follow and live up to the terms of the covenant of the Lord and the consequences of their faithlessness. In contrast, the book of Ruth shows an example of God's faithfulness to both a Jew and a non-Jew. And this book is really a great encouragement for those who have felt on the outside, who have felt like an alien to God's promises. And if you were with us during our Wednesday studies, we went over the book of Colossians. And we broke it down. And in Colossians 1, verse 21 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies. And it's, it's where we all started before coming to Christ, right? We were aliens. And, and so this book is a great encouragement for you. And, and I don't know about you, but I always like to have the background. I always like to have the context for a book. Because if you jump in, sometimes you'll miss a lot of the parts and what the Lord has for you if you don't know what's before and what's after um, and so to catch you up, let, let's do a little flashback. In, in chapter 1 in the book of Ruth, you have two people. You have Naomi, and, and she's married to Elimelech. Well, there's a famine, which is written about in the book of Judges, and they take off, right? They roll out, and they go to Moab to, to, to find a, a, some, some betterness. Um, and, and so while they're there, they, they have two sons, and they go out, and they're there for about 10 years. Well, well during the 10 years, the, the two sons actually marry uh, women that are from the tribe of Moab, right? Uh, their names are Orpah and, and Ruth. And so they marry, and these Moabitess women come into the family, and they, they observe the family because Elimelech and Naomi are, are worshipers of the one true God. And, and so time goes on. But what happens towards the end of those 10 years is both of the sons pass away, and Elimelech passes away as well. So now you have Naomi with her two daughters-in-law, in the land of Moab, away from family. And, and, and so she's like, you know what? I'm rolling home, right? Often, a lot of times what we do, when something doesn't go right and you've gone away, I'm going to roll back and go home to where there's safety. So that's, that, that's what's taking place. And so they actually return to Bethlehem at, at the very beginning of barley harvest. And that's really where chapter 2 picks up. And, and that's important for you to know because it gives you a context of where Ruth is. Now remember, Ruth is from the land of Moab. She left her family, and, and, and what we're going to do is, is talk a little about Ruth. So um, I, I've titled this message, Protection and Provision. Uh, it, it, it's two points. There's a lot of other points underneath, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about it that aren't, I don't have up there. It's kind of like when you go buy a cologne. It's like, you know, Smells of pepper with woodland undertone. There's always, look, whenever you read the Word of God, you can have a highlight, but there's always sub-important points. And that's, that's what we're going to look at, Ruth. So Ruth had traveled to Bethlehem and Judah, had left uh, her homeland. She was in a land where she was a stranger. Uh, she didn't know anyone, and she had no friends. And, and uh, newsflash, if you didn't know, the Israelites weren't really fond of people from Moab. Uh, they, they bordered one another, but they weren't exactly best of friends. They weren't going to invite each other over to Thanksgiving dinner. 
Because the enemies had been, uh, the nations had been enemies and at war with one another quite often. Um, so a quick understanding and background of Moab, it, it's currently where Jordan is, right? It's, so it's east of the Dead Sea. And, and Moab had a long history of leading Israelites into sin and away from God and into worship of false gods. And, and so it happened during the Israelites' exodus out of Egypt. Um, and, and if you go through the word of God, you find that it's actually Moabite women that lead King Solomon away from God and bring in their false idols. Uh, King Saul was at war with Moabites, so they weren't exactly super welcome. So Ruth, as she comes into this land, already has a stigma placed against her. Um, she knows no one but Naomi, and yet the providence of God was leading her. Uh, you know, when you and I are in a new place and we meet new people, or we're in a new land, a new city, and we meet people, especially in a new job maybe, the first thing we want to do is always make a good impression, right? Because people are always going to, who's, who's the new dude, right? And, and they're going to watch you. Well, that's the same thing that, that takes place here. Right off the bat, Naomi goes into the field and starts gleaning and providing. She's begun to serve her mother-in-law. See, she left Moab with Naomi because she said, I'm going to go where you go and your God will become my God. She had seen God's imprint on the marriage of Naomi and Elimelech and their family, and she recognized it. But word gets around really fast. In verse 6 and 7, we see here that the reapers knew exactly who she was. They had watched her because they were in the field too. They were doing their job. They had observed her hard work ethic and intense work in the field simply out of the respect for her mother-in-law and the desire to provide for her, her family. And, and, you know, it's a side note of providing for family. She didn't know anyone. She didn't go into it expecting someone to provide for her. She went in, I'm going to provide for my family. It, it's a great work ethic. Now, one note here is it says she goes in after the reapers, right? And look, I'm no farmer. You literally can't use my name in the same sentence as farm, farmer, or fruit, or vegetation. <laughs> however, however, so this was before harvesters and combines, and so everything was manual labor. Reapers were hired because they knew what they were doing. And their job was to reap, and that means leave nothing behind. So their job was to get in the field and actually take everything they could um, if you left things, if you dropped things, if you weren't good at reaping, you weren't going to be a reaper very long, and you weren't going to be hired by someone who owned multiple reapers. So they were there doing their job, and um, you see, she was getting things off the ground. They observed her going behind them, picking up tiny grains all day, from morning until dusk. And, and most of us have been to the beach, right? Most of us walked along the beach and picked up shells, and you know, that, that's fun for about a half hour. And, and then when it's 97 degrees and the sun's beating down on you, you're done. Your pail is full of shells that you know you're not going to use. And then you're like, you know what, I'm done. I'm going to go back and I'm going to sit down in my chair. Well, shells are easy to pick up. Anybody ever picked up a grain, seen how small it is in the dirt? 
You don't pick that up standing up. You're on your hands and knees. And she did that all day. All day long in the sun to provide out of respect for her mother-in-law. Right? That was noticed. Now, all of this is building up to what the Lord is going to do through Boaz. And that's why we're talking about it. But we're going to get into my first point, which is protection. And really, you see that in verse 8. Um, it starts in verse 8, and, and I'm going I'm to preface protection. You know, growing up, uh, I, I grew up in Germany, and uh, I was with my dad a lot, whether he was uh, wearing his, his army uniform, and I was you know, hanging out with him at work, or, or he was wearing just commercial clothes at home, hanging out. Um, I was with him a lot, and we did these things called Volksmarches. I don't know if anybody's ever done that or know about it. Now, all it is, and I'm, I'm wiser being older now, it's, it, it, it's made to be fun, and it is fun. But when you're a third and fourth grader, it's, you're, you're, you're fooled into like, hey, I want you to do something fun. Well, Volksmarch is like anywhere from like a, a 5, 10, 20, 30K walk, right? That's all it is. You're walking, you're in the woods, it's beautiful and it's fun. But I realized now as an adult, my parents totally tricked me. <laughs> but it's cool because, you know, you have walking sticks and, and on these, they're organized walks. And the job is to get you out. It gets the family together. You talk along the way. And, and every Volksmarch you do, you have like a little tin shield that you take pens and you put on your walking stick. And, you know, your job, you, you try and, and get a lot of these pens. And at the end, there's kiosks and tents set up because it's made to be fellowship and hang out and eat and enjoy the day and enjoy outside. And so I would go on. The, I did a lot of these. A anyways, my dad... Uh, on these Volksmarches, use that as an opportunity to warn me about things. And, and the warnings were a protection for me. He would say, don't go over there. Those are stinging nettles. You don't want to touch that. Don't go over there, poison oak, whatever the case may be. But the, the verbal warnings he gave me was a protection for me for things a third and a fourth grader simply didn't know. And, and, and warnings can be verbal, and they can be visual, but they're protections. Do you agree with me? Uh -huh. Most people sometimes don't, don't catch that, but they are. So I like pictures. We're going to see some pictures. That is a legit sign. That is a minefield in South Korea. 20 years ago, Pastor Tim, I was in Korea with the 2nd Infantry Division. You see this all over the place. This is not made up. This is a real sign you see. I don't, you could be being a tourist. You could be walking around. You see this, that is a legitimate sign. Don't go there. <laughs> and and, and I, bring this, I bring this up because often as God gives us warnings in his word, which are a protection from us, sometimes we can read them from a distance and be like, you know what? I'm not there yet, so I really don't need to pay attention to it. Well, this is a great example of a warning because a lot of these were placed in the Korean War. Every year in South Korea, there's a monsoon season. And when I say monsoon season, unless you've experienced one there, you don't know what a monsoon season is. They have 12-foot deep trenches they've built specifically to get water off of the mountains. I've seen 72-ton uh, tanks float. And, and, and so... Every year, some, multiple people pass away because of the monsoon season. So these minefields, they pick up and move. So when you see this and you're visibly near it, you stop. You find another way because they're still there. 
So just an idea. Keep that in mind, right? So the next one, which I find quite funny, <laughs> don't drive your car into the ocean. <laughs> you know, GPS says turn right. Don't go right. Like, look, this was pretty self-evident. I've never seen it before, but I'm pretty sure I'm not going to do that. I'm going to slow down and, uh, and not go into the water. And uh, this last one, just, just for kicks, that's a Spartan race. So I, I ran this in South Carolina. I only bring this up just as a reference point because the other things uh, are, are pretty, you can see those, street signs, minefields. So I was running in the backwoods of South Carolina for this thing. It was about 15 miles. And, uh, and, and like, you're, you're in the woods. I mean, there, there's no trail. Like, you're just running. And so you're looking for these tiny little signs that the Spartan race people have gone before you to say that you're on the right trail. The reason this is important because it was combined. The Spartan Beast is, you know, 13 to 15 miles. The Spartan Ultra is 30 to 34 miles. And so I'm running, and I'm, I'm at this point... I'm a mile 10, I'm tore up from the floor up, and I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna, I, you're, like, you're just running, right? I'm just going. Well, there's a tiny little sign off to the right, and it says, beast to the left, ultra straight ahead. The difference of that is I have five miles left if I go left. I have 20 miles if I go straight. And so a tiny little sign protected me from destroying myself because I was not ready to do that. That's my end of my, in, 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 in my pictures. But you get, you get, you get the drift. You can have uh, verbal pictures uh, or you can have someone say something to you verbally that is an actual protection. And, and it's designed by God. God's word does that for us. So Boaz here you know, has a, has a, a God-inspired uh, heart change. She's a, a Moabite woman. He doesn't know her. So it's, it, essentially she's a stranger. He owns a field. He's in charge of it. The reapers work for him. And he says, you know what? I'm going to have compassion on this woman. Doesn't know. Not family. Not yet. And he says, you know what? This field's going to be exclusively yours. And, and I bring this up because this shows a heart of compassion that I'm reminded I don't have and that I continually need and, and want. It's a great lesson to us that when the Lord puts something on your heart out of compassion to help someone, do it. And the reason I say that is because we have to remember the scripture that says to be obedient is better than sacrifice. And I'm not there yet, but it's, it's a beautiful picture of, of, of what Bo- Boaz doesn't know her. And I don't, it's like somebody you don't know coming in and you're like, who's this guy in my yard? And being like, you know what? Have it. Take it. And it's a beautiful picture of what Christ does for us. He spread his arms for each of us. But the thing is, he knew us. And there's so many pictures of what Christ does for us, and you'll hear me say that throughout this morning. So, uh, nope. That was a sneak preview. (laughs) Hebrews 13.2. I always like bringing this up, too, in talking about this. Hebrews 13.2 says, do not forget to entertain strangers. And you guys know the rest of this. For by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Some, sometimes, the Lord puts things in your path to test you and test your heart. But this portion of Scripture here, 
do not go glean in another field. Boaz is giving Ruth direction. Stay in my field. I, I own this. I know this. I know it's outer limits. I know the barricades. I know the safeties. It's good land. You'll be safe here. Don't venture out. Stay close. That's essentially what he's telling her because remember, he's got fields that border other fields. And Ruth could have just hopped around and skipped around and he knows that and he's trying to be like, you know what? I have compassion over you. A compassion that the Lord had given him to show her. Um, you know, and, and throughout Scripture... Uh, God tells you and I the exact same thing, to stay close to him. He gives us promises of his protection over us, as Boaz was really letting Ruth know. Um, there's a, a, a lot, Scripture's full of verses that are reminders of God's protection from us. It, it would be an exhaustive study for me to get up here and show you all the verses. I have a few. And I think these might be a little out of order, but I'm going to kind of blow through them here. Okay. Here's a couple of them. Psalm 34, 7, The angel of the Lord encamps around all of those who fear him and delivers them. I know some of us have read these verses, but oftentimes we bounce right over them and we don't realize these are not babies. These are not ifs. These are hard statements of what does happen. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. We are never without guard. I don't care how we feel because our feelings lie to us. Isaiah 54, 17, I love this. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is for me, says the Lord. And the last one, the last verse here is Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor forsake you. Uh, the, these aren't if statements. These aren't maybes. These are, you know what? It depends on what you're doing that day. It depends on what you've done. It depends on how you woke up. It depends on if you're crabby. You know, it depends on how I'm feeling. It has nothing to do with it. We need to read God's statements as statements, as promises. And, and these are protections. I'll be honest, you know, have you ever wanted to be protected? I mean, I have. I've been in a lot of situations where I wanted to be protected. You know, and you can, this can be across the whole spectrum. Ever been in a new city, a new town, new state, a new job? Fill in the blank. You've got to have new people. It's a new situation. You're always going to want protection. I've moved a dozen or more times in my life, and I can sign up to all of these. Being alone, being by yourself, vulnerable. This is how Ruth felt. I think we need to remember that. You know, she was in a new land, new people. You know, people knew um, and had an already existing stigma about Moabites. But the providence of God was providing for her here. No covering, no protection, no one really to stand up for her. And just like what Boaz does here for Ruth is what Christ does for us. As our intercessor, he has stood in place in front of us as believers, and he protects us. He has saved us for that. Um, one thing I want to bring up, you know, as you read the book of Ruth, you can look at, you know, Ruth's in a, in a, a 
you know, coming out and the, the hardships that she's going through and, and what in the world and how, what kind of God's plan is this? Um, so, Alan Redpath, it's kind of a lengthy quote, but I'll read it. There is nothing, no circumstance, no trouble, no testing that can ever touch me until it's first of all gone past God, past Christ, right through to me. And if it has come that far, it has come with a great purpose which I may not understand at the moment. But as I refuse to become panicky, as I lift up my eyes to him and accept it is coming from the throne of God for some great purpose of blessing to my own heart, no sorrow will ever disturb me, no trial will ever disarm me, no circumstance will ever cause me to fret, for I shall rest in the joy of what my Lord is. That is the rest of victory. So as we talk about God's protection, I realize and fully know there are circumstances that seem out of control, that seem like you need provision or protection and you're not seeing it. This is a reminder. What has come to you is from the hand of God. And there's a purpose in it. We just may not see it yet. Right? So verse 9, as we continue on, I love this verse. Um, the verse says, Let your eyes be on the field which they reap. Let your eyes be on the field. This is great. He goes, look, don't look at another field. Plain and simple. It's like, keep your eyes on my field. And, and, and so there's a subnote under this in protecting her in this field he has of contentment. Ooh, tough subject. <laughs> I didn't like this either, but, you know, like two days ago, the Lord was like, put this in here. Okay. God desires for us to be content with what he's given us. Amen. Yeah. Not to compare or desire other things. Yeah, I, I, and I've said it before, and I'll probably say it every time I get up here. I love the saying, comparison is the thief of joy. And many of you have heard that before. That is a, a tried and tested statement. The minute that you compare who you are or what you have to what somebody else is or what they have, your joy is gone. Your joy of what you have, who you are, is gone. Your joy is stolen. When, when, when we compare, we're losing sight of how beautiful you are. You're losing sight of how beautiful you are and the blessing that God has given us in, in whatever, whatever area it is. Right? So I'm going to go back to this. I love... I can play a PlayStation 4, but not this. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon, who doesn't pull any punches, says, You say, if I had a little more, I should be very satisfied. You make a mistake. If you are not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied if it were doubled. Mm. Contentment is a very real thing that God wants us to learn, and it has been the destruction of many. I'm going to read a verse from Paul as he's writing to the Philippian church. Philippians 4.11, and, and, and this is often quoted, but it's a reminder. He says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. You know where he wrote that? Prison. And we're not talking three hots in a cot, I got cable TV prison. He was writing that from prison to encourage believers. He had nothing. But he had God, and he knew God was at work. So how about us? How about you? 
whether you're in the fellowship room, the courtyard, online viewing, or in this room, and I, I speak to myself here too, how about you? Are you content with what God has given you so far? And I think a lot of us, sometimes when we read scripture, like me, I, you know, all, a lot of my relatives do the farm stuff out in Idaho, but not me. But I, when I can read this, I, I see a field, and I, I brush it off as, oh, you know, farming, that, how do I have application for that in my life? And I like to read scripture and, and, and understand how that can apply to me in my life. And so let's substitute the word field. And if Christ is saying the same thing Boaz here is saying, let your eyes be on fill in the blank. What is it for you? Has God provided you a job and you're like, you know what, I want that other job. But God's like, keep your eyes on the job I've given you. Keep your eyes on the field. What if it, is it family? Has God given you a spouse and that's your field? Fill in the blank because that's how you apply it to your own life. Boaz was telling Ruth here about keeping your eyes on the field as a protection for her. God's telling us through this, keep your eyes on what I've given you. I've given you this spouse. That is your spouse. Keep your eyes on her or him. If he's given you a job, that is the job he's given you until he shows you, here's a different field. You know, whatever the case is, this applies to all of us, regardless of, of, of what it is, field, fill in the blank. And, and, and I bring this up because it's a protection when we're content with what God has given us. Do we find ourselves or do you find yourselves looking at a different field, thinking it's better or easier or greener? I'm going to warn you that Satan is a master deceiver. He is the father of lies and he is very good at deceiving us or deceiving people in general. He will make something be perceived as amazing when all it does is lead whoever runs after it to destruction, personal heartache, brokenness. Boaz is telling Ruth, keep your eyes on the field because in, in here is where you'll be protected. God is telling us, what's, what's the field I've given you? Keep your eyes on this field because there's protection here. I've seen many people run after different jobs and I, I you know, as a man and as a sole income, I have that all the time. I look at different jobs. The Lord constantly reminds me, often through my wife, <laughs> like, didn't you pray for this job and God gave it to you? Yes. Thank you. It is the same thing. Don't run after what's outside of God's fences. And, and that's what Boaz is doing here with Ruth. He's like, listen, I'm going to protect you. You will be guarded in this field. I have told all of my men that work for me and the women to watch out for you. They know who you are now. You won't have a problem. You can be fed. You can be you know, refreshed. Stay here. You won't find that elsewhere. That's what God does for us. We just have to be ready to listen for it. So if the Lord does that for us, whatever the circumstances, and, and, and frankly, like, I, I just don't care. You know, if you don't like what he's saying, it doesn't matter what we think. Amen. Our, our opinions and our feelings don't matter. Like if God's telling you one thing, do it. We need to do it. I, I'm saying this to myself too. I don't mean to be harsh, 
But look, sometimes God literally has to smack me in the face sometimes. I, I am a hard learner. I learn through the school of hard knocks. I always have. And oftentimes I have to pray that the Lord would slam a door in my face, and he's done that, and, and I'm thankful for it. So verse 10, as we move along, um, we come into being thankful. Ruth bows to the ground and thanks Boaz for this. And, and, and basically how she has ever found uh, um, favor with him. And, and frankly, we have the same deal. You know, the question is, is we, have we ever bowed before God and thanked him? You know, how have we found favor with God? And the answer is we haven't. We haven't. Our righteousness is as dirty rags, as Scripture says. There's nothing we've done that can ever earn His grace, mercy, or the salvation He's freely given us. Nothing we could ever done. It's because He's loved us first. Our job is just to worship Him because of it. This last section, I'm going to, I'm going to roll through a little bit and being cognizant of time, but the next portion we're going to talk about is provision. Verses 14 through 18 Ruth is providing everything, doing everything she can to provide for her mother-in-law and herself. And, and she felt probably that she was at the bottom, on her hands and knees in the field, gleaming anything she could, heads of grain. Um, it wasn't a, a glorious job. But you know what? Through her faith that the one true God was going to provide, God allowed her to be in the very lineage of Jesus. God not only provided protection for her through Boaz, but he was going to provide for her sustainment as well, above and beyond what she could imagine. Let's see if I can find this bad boy. I love this. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. I love the fact that God can do more than I can think about because oftentimes if I use my mind, I put him in a really small box. I try and use logic. I try and use my worldly knowledge of places I've been and things I've seen that happen. Uh-huh. It's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> this verse deconstructs all of that. It deconstructs everything. Stop our, our, we need to stop our, our, our just petty, like, God, you can only do this. When God's like, what? I can do that? Like, that's a business he's in. Right. And, and I want to remind us, and that's what he does here for Ruth, and it's a picture of what he does for us in our life. Now, instead of gleaming after the reapers, she's given a place of honor. She's actually given a place among the reapers. And not only that, he actually tells the reapers, drop stuff for her. Like, you're going to do the hard work, but she's going to get it. And you know what? That's okay. If you are doing God's work and he tells you it's not even for you, it's for somebody else, because I want you to have a heart of compassion, then praise the Lord. And that's exactly what happens here. It's a, Christ, uh, it's a picture of what Christ does for you and I. Look, we come from nowhere. We're sinners. Uh, we worship false gods. And that's where we start. right? He rescues us. Um, he steps in, he breaks our chains, and he saves us by the blood of Jesus on the cross. And then he calls us a child of God. He protects us, and then he provides for us. And, and, and Ruth is, is a picture. It's a picture of what Christ does for us. And so I, I wanted to actually talk about a little bit of the history, and, and if you, I encourage all of you, you, you need to read the rest of Ruth, because... What you see happen 
And what you see God do is Boaz redeems Ruth and marries her and, and, and restores Naomi. Like So the family is restored. And the reason I bring that up is because what we see here in the portion of Scripture I've read and, and just a little bit after this portion, we see two things here. We see a, a, a Jewish woman who gets restored and we see a non-Jewish woman who is brought in and, and, and provided for. Um, and and the, why do I bring that up? Because we fall into one of those two categories. If, if, you're, if you're like Ruth, who is an outsider, who comes in, you know, and, and for us, if you're not saved, and you, you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, God has a plan and, and a purpose for you in your life. And, and his desire is to save you, protect you, and to provide for you. Plain and simple. And, and it is, that is such a study of everything I could tell you what he does for you. I, we, we don't have time this morning. But that's what he does if you're like Ruth and an outsider. Or if you're like Naomi, and maybe you're a Christian and you've left the promised land. And you've wandered off and you've come back, you've drifted away, maybe it's a little at a time, a little here, a little there. Well, just like Naomi, you can come back. Come back home. You'd be restored. Welcome back with open arms. And, and, and the thing is, Jesus is waiting to do that. He's waiting for, for you to, to come back, to restore the hurt, to forgive, to, to wipe away any guilt or shame. And, you know, Just like Naomi was, he will restore you. So we have two beautiful pictures here. But as I, as I really come to a close, the last thing I want to say is, you know, this picture that Boaz does, where he doesn't know Ruth, but he has compassion, and he says, keep your eyes on my field. I, you don't have to go anywhere. I will provide for you. He takes her from crawling around on the ground looking for uh, heads of grain, to being among the reapers and being provided for. So now she has a protection and provision. God will do that for us and has. He gives us a field, whatever that is. He gives us warning signs. Read his word. If there's something in there that you don't like, warning bell, it might be a warning for you. Listen to it. Don't don't wait until you're right up against it like that minefield because that might be too late. Right, right, right. You may have waited too long. Listen to the warning, heed it, and that is your protection. That is the protection for you. And he wants to provide for you. He has good gifts to give us, to give you, to give us. And, and, and this is an encouragement for you. And, and, and Naomi, who comes back, is restored. She's now back with family. And if you read further on in the book of Ruth, it, it's a beautiful book, but I only wanted to stay in this portion of passage. Um, I highly recommend it. But it, it's a beautiful thing to do and to read today as people are, are getting and have you know, raised their hand to get baptized. Uh, a walking out in a full surrender thanking God for what he's done. They've, they've heard, they're heeding, and they're walking out in, in faith on it.
Um, and, and so that is what the Lord had for me today to give. I'm going to flip the page to make sure I didn't miss anything. I don't think I did. But I, as an encouragement, I, I, I want to remind you, Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Don't ever forget that. If we catch ourselves looking at another field, stop. Remember the beauty of the field you already own that God has given you. 